So if you have James chapter 4, we're going to, to build this week on what we looked at last week. So last week we talked about um, a faith that seeks grace, a faith that seeks God's grace. You remember that great promise we read in James chapter 4 that said that he gives more grace. God gives more grace. And we talked about the grace of God and how we want to see that grace multiplied in our life, how we want to walk in grace, walk in obedience to God. Well, now the text is going to turn a little bit. And the emphasis here is, do we show the same kind of grace that God shows to us? We love to celebrate the fact that God is gracious, right? Because we need it. We know, God, I need your grace. If it wasn't for your grace, I would not have a chance. And God, you are so gracious. He gives more grace. He gives more grace. I just love that passage. Would it be said of us that we give more grace? Ouch, huh? (laughs) Ouch. And so James, is, that, that, that's the background of what's going on here, is in light of, of what James has been talking about. He's already talked about the, the, the danger of our words. Words hurt, don't they? We've all been hurt by words. We've all said words that we wish we could put back. I, I told you this before, words are like toothpaste, right? Once you, once you get it out, it doesn't go back in. We have to be careful with our words. We looked at that in chapter 3. And we're going to talk here about how we use our words gracefully with each other. So if you you have God's word uh, and you're at chapter 4 here of James, let me let me read with you and let me just back up to where we where we read last week um, and and go into verses 11 and 12 here. Um So start in verse 6. But he gives more grace. That is God. He gives more grace. Therefore, <clears throat> sorry, I've got my little Bible. I guess I need big Bible now. Um, <laughs> therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will exalt you. Verse 11. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but you are a judge. The one, the only one lawgiver and judge is he who is able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Pray with me. Father, we thank you for your magnificent, wonderful grace. Father, that grace that extended to us salvation, that grace that covered our sin, that grace that still works in us every day, every moment, that grace that is still available to any who would come to you, that grace that helps us, Father, to live through this difficult world. 
Lord, may we be individuals now as we look to your word who not only experience grace, but live lives that express that grace. Lord, we help you. We ask that you would help us as we seek to apply this word to our lives. Father, would you speak to us through your word? Would you speak to us and minister to us through your Holy Spirit? Father, I pray that we would all seek to be doers and not just hearers of your word today. It is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Now, if this passage sounds somewhat familiar to you, there's probably good reason for it. This passage mimics very closely what is said in Matthew chapter 7 by Jesus. Very famous thing that Jesus says, and not only is it one of the most famous things out of the Bible, but it's probably one of the most misunderstood. Jesus says in Matthew 7, 1, Do not judge so that you will not be judged. And this passage is misunderstood by those who are, are not believers. Perhaps you have experienced, as I have, individuals that you um, seek to, to explain salvation. You seek to talk about sin in their life. You, you say something, you, a conversation comes up, and you say, well, that's not right. And they say, you can't judge me. I've even had individuals who are not believers say, doesn't your Bible say you can't judge me? You can't tell me anything that I do is wrong? It works the other way as well. I know believers. I, I, taught, I taught at a church on evangelism once, and I had someone come up to me afterwards and say, I understand we're supposed to share the gospel with people, but I can't tell anyone that they're wrong. I can't tell anyone that they've sinned because I don't want to judge them. I've heard that. Uh, I also, not, not only is it misunderstood in that way, but this text is also misunderstood in that there are many believers, many individuals in the church who have judgmental attitudes and walk around judging others on everything. <laughs> It's sad when we start to think about it and we realize that for a, the, the church, a, a people gathered together based on the grace that God has given us, not holding us account for everything that we've done, but making a way for us to be saved through Jesus Christ. That kind of grace and that kind of love that Christianity is founded upon, that is at the center, the core of our faith. That for so often the church is known as a judgmental place rather than a graceful and a loving place. And sometimes I will agree it's not fair, but I've met, seen many situations where that title rightly fits. It, it rightly fits. And so James tells us today, he's been talking through this whole section about relationships, how we get along with each other. He's primarily talking about individuals within the church. How do we, how do we maintain uh, harmonious, gospel-centered, good relationships for the sake of Christ together? 
How do we do that? And he's brought out a number of things here. And in this, at the end of this section here that he's closing up, he, said, he talks about do not judge. Do not judge your brother. Do not speak evil against the brothers. And I think it's fair to say that the point that he's trying to make here is because he's just talked about the grace of God that God gives to us that we should be graceful to each other. Don't judge people on every little thing. Why? Because God doesn't treat you like that. God has offered you grace. He offers you more grace as you fall, as you, as you uh, seek to live in worldly wisdom. We can always repent and come back to God. And He forgives us of our unrighteousness. He cleanses us, the Scripture says. How wonderful is that? How wonderful is that? And so are we also a people that have a faith that demonstrates this grace, that demonstrates this grace? So I, I want to talk to you about this. How do, what does it look like? What does a faith that displays God's grace look like? And the first thing I want to say from our text here is that that kind of a faith resists judging others. It resists judging others. Look at verse 11 here. It says, do not speak evil against another brother. It ends with, but who are you to judge your neighbor? And again, it's easy to say that command, but it's, it's complex for us to, to live this out. So I want to talk about it in this way. What does judging others not mean and what does it actually mean? Okay. I, I want us to think about it like that because there is something that it doesn't mean given the rest of scripture and what we're told to do. The, the first thing I want to say is that, that judging others does not mean that we can live without discernment, that we can live without discernment, especially as to somebody's character or their teaching or their profession. Okay, their, their profession of faith, what they say they believe. People love to cite Matthew 7, 1. Um, do, don't judge lest ye be judged. But if you continue to look down in Matthew 7, it gets a little more complicated. Because in Matthew 7, verse 6, Jesus says, Don't give to dogs what is holy, and don't throw your pearls before swine. Now, we don't have the time to get into all that, 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 that and unpack all of that, but, but notice this. If you're not to do this, there is some discernment that we got to have, right? To know whether that person's a dog, that, that person's a swine, okay? We, this individual, what we, what we need to do here, how, how far do we need to go? What, what all do we need to share? There's certain individuals that you just need to make a, a, a beeline to the cross, you just need to keep your conversations about Jesus Christ, just about salvation, just about you need to repent and respond. You don't need to get into all the nuances of Scripture and arguments over theology throughout the histories with certain individuals. Right? They don't care. They just want to argue. I think that's the best interpretation of what Jesus is saying here. You stick to the cross. If you don't know anything else, you stick to the cross. If somebody comes and they, they, they try to, they, they try to put something before you and some church council said this and back they did this and, and this is what they used to believe and what about this scripture versus this scripture in the Greek, Hebrew and Aramaic? Go back to Jesus. Right? There's a savior that died for your sins. Would you trust him? That's, that's where you go. 
But you've got to have some discernment in that, right? So, so judging others is, is, doesn't mean that we throw discernment just straight out the door. Okay? That's not what it means. We can go on in, in chapter 7. Um, it goes on in verse 15. Matthew seven fifteen. So where Jesus begins and says, don't judge others. Judge not lest you be judged. Jesus also says in verse 17, beware of the false prophets who come to you as sheep in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. How would you ever know that someone in a disguise is actually in a disguise without discerning what's going on? Does that make sense? Are, are, are you with me? It takes some discernment to know this, right? Why? Because they look like sheep. They, they, they look like sheep. But it doesn't quite pass the sniff test, right? What they're saying doesn't actually line up. What's, what's going on, the way they're acting, what they're, the, the lifestyle that they're encouraging. Wait a minute, something's off here. And so this takes discernment. So we can have discernment in, in, in scripture you know <laughs> we're called to have discernment about teaching pastors are are called to protect the flock from false teachers protect the flock from false teachers we live in a day and a time when the idea about the church as a whole is there there has to be unity there has to be love there has to be you can't say anything negative about anyone or or what they would believe or or what they would teach um and yet you read through scripture and the commands that's given to pastors is to guard the flock when these things come up, you need to be able to tell them this is wrong and this is why. You need to be able to, to say, don't follow the teaching of this individual. It's wrong and here's why. Point to scripture. And people will say, well, you can't name names though. You know, that's where you, that's where you gotta stop. You can't name names. Read through the New Testament. Paul called out false teachers by names. Didn't he? Now you have to be careful. It takes a lot of discernment. And that's what we're going to look at here. And that's the warning here. But, but I, just want to, I just want to tell you that this idea that, that we, we can't judge in any way whatsoever, we can't have any discernment whatsoever, we have to just believe everything that's before us, is not what Scripture has in mind. If you were to interpret these Scriptures like this, then, then you would have to misinterpret a whole pile of other Scriptures that tell us to be discerning, to be careful, to be watchful. Right? What else does it mean? Um, it, it doesn't mean that you can't challenge another person about their sin. That you can't challenge another person about their sin. Again, I've heard individuals say, I, you know, I just, I, I wouldn't be comfortable confronting somebody about their sin because scripture says not to judge. And I, I don't want to, I don't want to judge them. So I don't, I don't want to do this. This same passage, the, the, the individual that, that writes this passage, James, if you look over in verses five, or chapter 5, verses 19 and 20, listen to this. It says, My brethren, if anyone among you strays from the truth and one turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from error of his way will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Friends, you can't save someone from error if you don't say there's sin in your life. Are you with me? 
Now, how we do that is vitally important. And, and, and the church has struggled with this. We have struggled with this. Because we have taken self-righteous, judgmental attitudes to approach sin a lot of times. Let's just be honest. But we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. We can't say, well, well, then we'll just let everybody do whatever they want and we're just going to be love. Because according to this passage, if you're just love and you don't challenge individuals about their sin and their need for repentance and to live for Christ... If, if you do that, it says you save their soul and cover a multitude of sins. So if you don't do this, you don't save their soul and you allow a multitude of sins to be committed. Do you get that? So we have to be discerning. This isn't what it's talking about. In Galatians 6, the Bible says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression... You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. What a powerful verse for us to remember. What a powerful verse. Yes, we should approach and, 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 and call each other out on sin. If I'm on, in sin, I want you to say something to me. I would hope that, that if you're a true, genuine believer and you love the church, you would say that about your life as well. If you think something's going on, if you think that I've, I've erred, if you think I'm going down the wrong path, would you show me Scripture? Right? Would you help me walk through life? Because I know I'm prone to sin. But it goes on and says, do it in a spirit of gentleness. And also guard yourself so that you don't become self-righteous in the process. You know, the Bible is very clear about this. There is a process, in fact, that we are, as a church, supposed to deal with sin within the membership, within each other. And it, it's outlined in Matthew 18. And it's basically, if someone has sinned against you, if you know that's going on, you as an individual go to that person. Don't start off by going, I have a prayer request. <laughs> I heard brother so-and-so is doing such and such, and I just want to pray about it. That's gossip at that point. First thing is you go to that individual. If they're unrepentant, if they see no error, if they're uh, argumentative, then the Bible says that you bring another. And eventually, if an individual who claims to be a follower of Jesus Christ that has the Holy Spirit dwelling within them are living in unrepentant sin, and they have been confronted by the leadership of the church, then there's a point in which the church comes together and says, we're going to revoke membership because you say that you're a believer, but you're living unrepentantly in sin as though you're not. And the whole idea of this process is not to kick people out. The whole idea of this process is what James says. That we would do so in, in a spirit and an attitude so that we are confronting individuals so that they would realize and say there is sin here. And we would save their soul, save them from a multitude of sin. Do you get that? That's the, that's the process, and, and that's why it's there. Because 
Sin's serious. The gospel's serious. Our community as brothers and sisters to hold each other accountable as, as we seek to grow as disciples is a serious walk, a serious thing that we do on church. But we need to do it in a loving way. So what, what does judging others mean? How are we not to do this? Okay, and there's, there's a number of things here that we can, that we can look at. First of all, um, James has already talked about this. You judge someone wrongly when you criticize them out of jealousy, bitterness, selfish ambition, out of some other sin. If you're seeking to build yourself up by putting others down, you're wrong. And this is a, this is an issue that happens a lot in the church. It's an issue that happens a lot with us. We want to make ourselves look good, so we try to make others look lower. Um, this is what James says here. Don't speak against one another. Some verses might translate this. Do not slander against one another. Slander is, is criticizing someone or de- uh, damaging their reputation by sharing false or deliberately misleading information. Do we know about that? Have you watched the news over the last year? Okay. And this is a big issue in our, in, in our culture right now is because it has become normal for people on all sides to slander, especially in the realm of politics right now. All, it, it's happening all over. Hints of truth. You know, it, it, online they call it clickbait, right? You see this outrageous title. Um, I don't know if you keep up with Florida today, but they are notorious for this. Like, this huge outrageous title and you click on it and it's really nothing. <laughs> but you try to make it look bigger than it is. That's how we deal with each other so often. We major on the minors and we minor on the majors. How else could you judge someone wrong? Um, You judge someone wrong when you assume that you know all the facts about a situation or you know the motives of the person. All the facts or the motives. In Philippians 1 Verse 15, Paul talks about the motives of those who were preaching out of uh, envy, strife, and selfish ambition. Now, I don't know how Paul knew exactly that was going on, but, but he did. But so often when we talk with others, when we try to confront others, when we approach others in this kind of way, we act as though, one, we know all the facts. Often we don't. And two, uh, this is just, just a word <laughs> for everyone here. Nothing, nothing will accelerate an argument faster than saying you know the motive of why that person did that. I didn't hear any amens from married people. <laughs> right? We do that. You've, you, we've all had it done to us, right? I, uh, children a lot of times grow up as adults and are damaged in many ways because, you know, my dad always said that he knew why I was doing this. My mom always said she knew why I was doing this. She didn't know. I mean, you be careful. That's, that's an easy way to judge somebody. You're doing this just because you want to. Well, you don't know that. Don't, don't go there. Deal with the facts. Deal with, with what's there. 
Or have grace. Just let it go. God doesn't beat us down. He knows the motives and the intentions of our hearts, the reasons why we do everything. He doesn't beat us down over that. He gives more grace, that we would give more grace with others. Another way that we can judge wrongly is when we create extra-biblical standards, extra-biblical standards for individuals. And so here's what I mean by that. In Scripture, when something says it's a sin, it's a it's a sin. Okay, we got to work on this one, all right? That wasn't, that wasn't that tricky, okay? If God says, don't do this, are you supposed to do that? No, it's a sin. All right, you're with me now. There's a lot of other things in our life, though, that the Bible doesn't expressly prohibit. But for me, I would say this is a conscious issue that the Lord has shown me. Maybe it's through experience. Maybe it's through something that I've done myself. Maybe it's through doing something and realizing this led to sin, so I don't do this thing. Does the Bible expressly forbid it? No. Am I to do it? I'm not going to do it. It's a conscience issue. But what happens so often is conscience issues, we easily turn into extra-biblical issues. Well, men are supposed to have short hair. That's just the way it always is. Uh, You need to get that haircut. I've told you about churches that I've been to back when I actually had long hair. And I'd been told, next time before you come to church, cut your hair. Is that a sin? No. But you see how we can so easily escalate things that really aren't biblical commands and treat them as though they are? And we began judging people. The, the Pharisees were notorious for this. This was the big issue with the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the most, probably the most righteous people you'd ever see, the way they lived according to their law. Jesus, in fact, said, uh, your, your righteousness must exceed that of the Pharisees, right? When he said that, he meant they keep everything. They not only kept the law, but they had what they called hedge laws. Okay? So, so let me give you an example. On the Sabbath, you couldn't work, Right? So in a Pharisee's household, if you went to dinner on the Sabbath and you drug the chair across the floor, (gasps) you've sinned. Well, what do you mean I've sinned? Well, you pulled your chair across the dirt floor. It creates a furrow. When you're out in the field working, you make furrows to plant, and you just worked on the Sabbath. That's the world that the New Testament was written in. That's the kind of judgmentalism that was all around. And we still have it today in our churches. It's just different issues isn't it? So we have to be careful. Know the Scripture. Know the Word of God. If you're going to, if you're going to ever, um, if someone is in sin, is in error, and the Lord has put you there in an opportunity to, to talk with them about this, the, the, the opportunity opens up, make sure you have Scripture and verse to say, brother, this is a sin. Make sure it's not just what your conscience might be. Romans 14 and 15 are, are huge about this, are huge about this. The church was fighting over whether or not to be vegetarians. They were fighting over what holidays were holy days. In 1 Corinthians, they were having problems over, over eating meat that had been sacrificed to idols. Should you do that? Should you not do that? 
And Paul ends up saying in, in, in Romans 14, that it ends up saying, what God has convicted you of is right for you. Hold that conviction. But do not put that conviction on someone else. Unless Scripture says this is sin. Do we all get that? We, we need to refresh on that, right? Because how many times have, have, have others done that to us or we've realized I've put that kind of a law on someone else that really isn't the law of God. Um, you judge others wrongly when you first forget to judge your own sin. Friends, Jesus says also in, in Matthew 7 that uh, before you take the speck out of your brother's eye, remove the plank from yours. He doesn't say you can't take the speck out of your brother's eye, but he says first look for your own plank, right? If you went to an eye doctor, you know, and they had something sticking out of their eye, you'd say, I don't want that guy looking at my eyes. <laughs> um, we, we've got to be willing before we confront someone else Take a moment and ask yourself, is your heart right in this? Is, is the issue that you're, um, is the issue that has you so concerned, is it, is it a real issue? Is it a scriptural issue? Or is it something that I can just show the grace of God about? And s- many times we're going to say, I should just show grace here, right? Because God does that with us as well. Um, so what does it look like to, to, uh, to, to do this? How does, how does God do this? Let's, let's, let's finish up here. How do we, how do we have a grace that submits to God's authority? Okay. So we've seen what we're not supposed to judge others. We've talked a little bit about, about what it, what it looks like, what it doesn't look like. What, what truly does it look like to have a judgmental, wrong, sinful spirit? The argument that James makes here is deeper just than this. He, he also says that we need to be careful because when we judge others as God has the role to do, we disobey his word and we disobey his authority. We try to take the place of God, basically, which isn't our place, if you didn't realize that. So <laughs> the second thing here that I want to see is a faith that displays grace submits to God's authority. It submits to God's authority. James here calls um, God's word the law. That's done to show the authority of it. It is the law. It is to what we are to live by. Again, when God says do this, don't do this, it's not helpful suggestions for life. It is the creator of all things who is giving the law. This is to be done. This is not to be done. Do we recognize that authority? Do we seek to follow that authority in our lives? James talks about uh, the neighbor here. He's, again, he already talked about the second commandment. Um, love your neighbor as yourself. He, taught, he called it the royal law, if you remember that. Back in, in, uh, earlier in the passage in, in James. The royal law, to love your neighbor as yourselves. And so he's saying, you're breaking this royal law. You're not loving your neighbor if you're walking around in a judgmental, selfish, having selfish ambition and envy way, walking around talking about them, walking around judging them, walking around looking for anything you can to make yourself look better, which is often the way that we get like this, isn't it? 
And so James gives two, two things here to help encourage this. First is we are to submit to God's word. He says the one that speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but you are the judge. You are a law giver. And so the idea here is that if we walk around seeking to judge each other outside of God's law, we can't be doers because we're trying to be the law givers. Does that make sense? It's a, it's a pretty simple argument, really. It's not your place. You're not the lawgiver. You are not God. And he's going to go and make that argument. That's the second thing is we're to submit to the law of God. We're to say this is enough. You know, let me go back to the issues of conscience. Because, again, this is a big one that we, that we run into all the time. In issues of, of conscience where God has, has, for you, said this is, this is not right. Or, or these things I'm free to do. But it's not explicitly said in the law, don't do this, do this, in God's word. Are, are you with me? If you then, having an area of conscience, go to someone else and say, brother, you just got to have short hair because that's the only way to be holy. <laughs> you just made yourself what? A law follower or a law giver? A law giver. See, you did not submit to God's word you put yourself over God's word. You said, God's word is pretty good, but he missed this one part. <laughs> Let's add it in. Second thing is we are to submit to God himself. Uh, James 4.12 says, There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. Jesus said it like this. Jesus says in Matthew 10.28, Do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fill him Fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. God himself is the ultimate judge. He is the ultimate judge. This is why another way to judge wrongly is to say, you're going to hell. Now, it's good to be able to warn people and say, by the actions you're doing, by the things that you're doing in light of Scripture, you should be very concerned about your soul. Do you see the difference? But I can't make that proclamation. All I can do is point to Scripture and say, this is what Scripture says that a healthy Christian life looks like. Brother, does it concern you that your life does not look like this? Does it concern you that there's no repentance, that there's a lack of faith? Do these things concern you because this is what Scripture says? Ultimately, God is the one who is the judge because he is the lawgiver, right? He is the one, the only one that has that authority. We do not. And so that's what this passage reminds us here. Is that we have to be careful when you judge others. Who are you to judge your neighbor? <laughs> I love that ending question. Who are you to judge your neighbor? What's, what's, what's he getting at? He's saying, do you think you're God? Do you want to go around and, and, and judge everybody over every little thing and not have grace? Who do you think you are to do that? Do you think you're God? Especially in light of what he just wrote. In light of our sins. In light of all the things that God could hold us to. He gives more grace. He still offers grace. Friends, 
Do you have a faith that shows that grace? Do you have a faith that, that shows that grace to others? Now, we all sin in this. We all have issues. We all get angry and say things. As we close today, I want to I offer two things. First, do you know this grace? Do you know the grace of God? Perhaps you can say, I, I know I'm wrong. I know I've been wrong. I know that I've sinned. But you're not confident that there is grace. Friends, there is grace. Ask for forgiveness and He will forgive you. He continues to give grace. He still shows grace. But you don't know what I did. He still shows grace. But I did it more than once. He still shows grace. He still shows grace. He gives more grace. Grace is available. Second thing, do you give that kind of grace? Would we be a people that would give grace? As we close and have a song of response, I want to invite you to pray to God and ask him, allow me to be a graceful person. I think that's a prayer we all need to say every once in a while in light of this. Help me to be graceful. Help show me where I can be graceful. Because I love that you're graceful to me. As we close, if, if you would like to come forward for prayer, I invite you to. If you have questions about salvation, I invite you to come. If there's a decision that you would feel led to make, you can come. But don't walk away and be a, a, a hearer and not a doer. Respond to however the Spirit is speaking to you. Pray with me. Father.